Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome into another edition of Believe in Titans on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Davey Hudson, alongside former Titan Denard Walker, and we appreciate you joining us today. On today's episode, we're going to get into the three things you need to know that have happened for the Titans over the course of the last week, and then we're going to dive into our main story, which is discussing how a lack of a college football season could impact the NFL moving forward. But before we get started, I want to ask, do you believe? If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. We are available in all your favorite directories iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. And you can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. That's B-L-E-A-V Podcast on all social media platforms. So to jump into the three things you need to know that have happened for the Titans over the course of the last week. Number three, the Titans have announced that the home opener against Jacksonville on September 20th will be held without fans due to COVID. The organization did go on to say that if conditions are to improve throughout the course of the fall, then they would reevaluate. But as of right now, the home opener on September 20th against the Jacksonville Jaguars will be held without fans in Nissan Stadium. Number two on the list, Titans wide receiver Corey Davis has been activated from the physically unable to perform list, a.k.a. the PUP. Jim Wyatt announced that last week, and it was said that Davis had been nursing a toe injury. Apparently he had a turf toe incident last season, and that was kind of a nagging injury. It is believed that Davis had off-season surgery and that the move to the pup just gave him some extra time to come back from that. But we've talked about it on the show. I know Denard picked him as his breakout performer for this year, but this is a prove-it year for Corey Davis. You know, this is his opportunity to go on and show other teams that, you know, he's capable of, of being a big-time wide receiver, being that number one go-to guy. So hopefully that injury is behind him and he'll be good to go for the Titans when the season gets here. And number one on the list, we have an update on Clowney Watch. And before we get into Clowney Watch, I did want to say that last week, I guess it would have been last Wednesday, Tom Pelissero put out that the NFL informed clubs the prohibition on tryouts has been lifted immediately. So you've started to see more dominoes fall in the free agent market as teams have been able to bring in players to try out. Now, as it relates to Jadavion Clowney in Clowney Watch... And last week, 24-7 Sports put out the report that Jadavion Clowney is not budging on his asking price, but there are no indications of him signing anytime soon. And it, it goes back to we've we've talked about he might just be waiting for some injuries to maybe pile up and then find the right spot for him. Uh, Jeremy Fowler for ESPN reported there are no indications that Jadavion Clowney is ready to sign. This could push up right up until week one. I've sp- He's spoken to several teams who say, they believe his asking price is still around $17 million per year. He's been pretty quiet, but nobody is willing to pay that right now. He's gotten multiple offers from multiple teams, from the Cleveland Browns to the Tennessee Titans and the Seattle Seahawks. He hasn't budged on that asking price. He's coming up to a situation where he's got to decide if he's going to play this year or sit out the entire season. I, I don't think he's going to be sitting out, but you got to think, all right, 
we're getting close to go time. Let's make something happen. But at least we had a little bit of an update on Clowny Watch this week. And with that said, I'm going to go ahead and bring in Denard, and we're going to transition to talking about what it could mean for the NFL with college conferences being up in the air about playing football this season. Denard, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, David. How are you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm ready to talk about what we could be expecting because right now chaos seems to be ensuing as it relates to the world of football. And Denard, I guess my first question I want to ask is, so there's been a lot of talk about we've seen the Big Ten, the Pac-12 cancel their fall schedule. And for those listening, trust me, we're going to transition this into the NFL very quickly. There's been a lot of talk about moving the Big Ten and the Pac-12 schedules to the spring of 2021. What are your thoughts on that, and how would that then impact the NFL and their normal way of doing things? Okay, first of all, let me just say this. That's not going to work. You got your three, ACC, SEC, and then you got the Big 12 that's going to compete in 2020 as far as the fall. Then you're talking about the Pac-12 and the Big 10. They're going to play 2021 in the spring. That's not going to work because you're not going to have a definitive winner, number one. Number two, who's going to watch the college football playoffs? Number one, how are you going to do that? You're going to just go SEC, Big, Big, Big 12, ACC? You could argue that's what a normal playoff looks like anyway. But so, but then what about in the spring? Who who are you going to schedule for the spring? That's the question. No, it's it's definitely a thing, and I mean they would then just stick with the all conference model as far as who would they who they would play. But that point when you're looking at it's going to be an asterisk season no matter how you slice right. it up. But I, I do think if you do have three main conferences continue to do things as normally scheduled, and then the other two just not go, I think everyone's going to be putting more pressure on the Big Ten and the Pac-12 than they are the three conferences that made it work. As of right now, let, let, let me just say this, because, and I'm just going to give you my personal expertise from a guy who's been there, okay? Right now, like everybody else, I don't know what to expect. And if I'm the Pac-12 and I'm the Big Ten right now, if you're not getting ready for the season, you're not going to be ready to go by September, okay? We're almost, it's August the 18th. We're literally about, what, two to three weeks away from the kickoff of the college football season. So I know it's talking about parents putting pressure on the conference, especially in the Big Ten. If you're not ready to go, uh, let me give you an example. Oklahoma is getting ready for their game against Missouri State, right? Non-players as of Saturday contracted COVID-19. So you got two weeks, you're going to keep those guys in quarantine. So again, a lot of those guys, we don't know who they are. Okay, that's none of our business. You got two other guys that there's some more guys that are basically under quarantine as well. So that's probably, let's say if that's eight of your starters, what happens then if you're Oklahoma? You got to shut down half of the team because you got nine guys basically quarantining right now. So the question that I would have is what are you going to, right now, You when you're putting guys together in multitudes, what is happening? They're contracting this stuff like crazy. And, that, and that's my fear right now, because if you let them out of the bubble, and let me just give you a quick, quick illustration of what Oklahoma did. They gave guys the week off. So you're going to give a bunch of 18 to 23-year-old 23 23 year guys the week off because they need it. They've been going for the last three weeks, so they're going to have about six or seven weeks of camp before the start of a game. So Lincoln Riley did the, he did the right thing by giving guys a week off. The problem is, is when half of the team came back, you had a small percentage of those guys contract the virus. So now he's got to go into a whole new different mode right now as far as coaching is concerned. And what if that? What if one of those guys are your starting quarterback or a guy that's competing for the quarterback position? What do you do then? You're in limbo. 
I mean, that's the way it's going to be for right now. Let's, the only way that they're going to have success, and I don't want to keep rambling on about this, is unless they, they do, they take the model that the NBA did and basically just quarantine the whole uh, athletes away from the general public. We know that's not going to happen. Yeah, as it relates to that, obviously a bubble is not going to work, but they might be able to do something where they keep one dorm just athletes only, and then they make them do remote classes, and then they practice, and that's a way they go around it. I understand, obviously, when you're talking about the student aspect of it, that would bring a lot of debate for some people. But overall, there there's going to be something where, even if we try to have it, there's going to be COVID cases. I don't see a way possible where they're able just to completely keep the virus out. It's one of those things, it's hard to track before it even gets in somewhere and then if like we've talked about with asymptomatic people you just you just don't know if you're a carrier really and so it just makes it makes it very difficult as it goes to talking about them playing in the spring the bigger issue for me and then getting into the nfl side of things is you're going to have one all your best players sit out there's no point in playing in the spring knowing that the M- or the nfl draft is right around the corner and then you would also just have an nfl season starting not too long after that, because we know a lot of people sometimes that they have to have a big time surgery. They're not going to want to do anything to where they risk their ability to play for the upcoming season, especially whenever it's time for them to actually make money. On top of that, when you're looking at just college athletes in general, and then the players that would then be turning around to have a season in the fall right after having one in the spring, it's just not not a good way to look at it from a student athlete perspective. That's just too much wear and tear on the body to, let's say, play what, 22 games in a matter of 10 months? It's not smart. And then if you want to say they can do it, that's fine. But you can't be the same people that come back and say, well, we care about the health and the safety of the athlete. Because we already know when you're looking at the sport of football, if you were to ask a panel of doctors, they're not going to tell you it's safe to play. We've seen what the results can be from CTE and all this. And we understand that the risks that are involved when you play. So to then take that and and be like, all right, we're going to move it to the spring because of COVID, it's turning a one-year problem for these schools into a two-year problem. Exactly. I just don't think you want to see the schools want to do that, but they also don't want to get rid of the revenue that they would bring in from football. But we know from a stands or fans in the stands situation, it's not going to be much anywhere. You're not going to get a lot of ticket gate, which is going to cut down on concessions. You're really just hoping on the revenue coming in from the TV deals. Now, when we're discussing the, the NFL, Denard, my, my question to you is with, with college happening, and let's say college football does not happen this year, and you're a general manager, you're a scout, how are you evaluating this next class coming in for the NFL? Because, like, I mean, everything's kind of, I'm used to having a season to watch these guys, see how they develop over a year. I'm not going to have that at all. What would then be the, the route that these teams take? How ironic you asked me that question because I was thinking the same thing. I just had a chance to talk to an old scout about that. And I was saying, how do you evaluate an individual basically if he's unknown? Let's take, for instance, I was thinking about what you just said. Think about Joe Burrow. So let's go back and let's say last year and let's say COVID hit last year. So if we go back to Joe Burrow's first year starting at LSU, he had what subpar numbers, nothing that really jumped off the chart basically just managed the game through for about what over about two, less than 2500 yards nothing impressive but nothing bad maybe a seventh round pick exactly <laughs> you know what and i was just thinking about that so say if you're a scout i can tell you this much if we were just going on physical attributes he has that mm-hmm. but we're talking about a guy that probably instead of being the first pick going somewhere in the sixth or seventh round 
Think about it. And then in terms of money, you think about it. Say you're getting somewhere $300,000 as opposed to a close to $40 million contract guarantee. So this is going to be tough for a lot of these individuals. That's why you're seeing so many guys that had great junior years. You think about there's a monster down in Oklahoma by the name of Kennedy Brooks, one of my favorite players, a great running back. Didn't he have back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons? Back-to-back redshirt freshman and a redshirt sophomore year. And I was looking forward to seeing him play this year because I said, this is the guy right now that's going to basically set the bar. I mean, I'm telling you, this guy is great. Well, he's already said that he's going to forgo his senior year at the University of Oklahoma, and he's going to get ready for the draft. I think about Kerry Vincent, cornerback down at LSU. Again, LSU, year after year, they've had guys go in the first round. We've seen it. Christian Fuller, you see second round. We keep seeing all these great defensive backs. So the question is, is how do you rate him? He was really the third corner last year. So I'm just thinking to myself, you know, as a scout, are you going to evaluate a, a guy based on what he did last year? So the question is, is what if a guy who's going to be a senior this year didn't necessarily have the best year? You know, he's basically banking on this senior year to, you know, make some noise so he can get an opportunity to go early in that draft or at least get drafted period. So I keep thinking about how many guys careers that this might end up hurting at the end of the day. And that's what I'm afraid of with this COVID-19. Yeah. I mean, it could hurt a lot. And then at the same time, I mean, you talk about the scouts themselves, like if they have a bad scouting year, that could mean their job if, if they're not able to recognize the talent, but that's the thing. It's, we just don't know who's going to be able to be seen. And obviously we think that they would be able to do some sort of pro day or still have the combine to some sort. But I mean, we look at some of the guys that get invited to the combine. It's because they have such a great senior year. Some of those guys might not even show up on the radar because they don't have that season. If, if that were the case, but it just, it creates a lot of issues on the college level. When you're talking about the numbers of players that can be on a team, if you say half of half of the college power five teams are sitting out this year and it's like all right well they're sitting out this year so they're going to get another year of eligibility moving forward but then what does that mean for the numbers are you able to have more players on scholarship kind of what what do you do there if they're not able to play can they transfer immediately to another school and then gain eligibility it just it just really shakes up the entire system and we've not really gotten many good answers on how any of this is going to be resolved and we're still in limbo for a lot of this stuff Limbo is only the beginning, baby. Listen to this. At least one player from every Power 5 conference school basically is sitting out the 2020 season. You think about this. You think about if you're a college coach right now. Think about, for instance, one of my favorite coaches. I like Mike Loxley, Loxley down in Maryland. You think about him going to Maryland from Alabama, trying to basically get this program back up to par. Half of his team basically opted out the 2020 season. Not half, but he had about seven guys. You think about Mac Brown at North Carolina. He basically going down there trying to rebuild that program. The program that he got started initially, he had three of his top defensive backs basically opting out the 2020 season. You think about all the college coaches it's going to hurt. I was going to say this year, like based off financials, like I find it incredibly difficult to be able to fire any college coach after this season, no matter the outcome, because everyone's coming from a, a situation where they're they're working with one hand tied behind the back and then whenever you look at the financials without ticket revenue coming in concessions just everything you typically do whenever you have a, a normal season these buyouts are usually so expensive that schools aren't going to be able to afford to pay the coach to buy them out so they're like all right 
I guess we're stuck with you another year, even if they wanted to get rid of them. There's the saying, I don't know if you ever watched Game of Thrones, but it's chaos isn't a pit, it's a ladder. Yes. And I'm really interested to see who climbs that ladder. Who are we going to see come come to the top? And that goes for the college level and that goes for the NFL level. Like, let's say we don't have college football and then you really do get to see which of these NFL GMs can spot talent whenever they're evaluating for this upcoming draft. Who's able to make some of the right decisions as far as, all right, well, when it comes to the coaches, our starting quarterbacks out with COVID. How are we going to draw up a game plan to kind of deflect against our, our, our weaknesses and and find a way to be victorious. You just, you don't know. And it's going to be what I said at the beginning. It's going to be an asterisk season, no matter how you want to slice it. You know, someone said on television, one of the representatives of their, have some kind of affiliation with the White House. And their response was, they wish we as Americans, we would have took the approach that Italy initially did when the start of this pandemic hit. Basically just lock everything down. Okay, we didn't do that because unfortunately, who knows, we didn't know that a pandemic was going to hit like this, right? So the question is, it's just like the landscape of college football. None of these coaches saw this coming. You think about high school players. What are they going to do? I mean, it's we're August, you know, it's almost the end of August. Usually in the state of Texas, you see coaches and teams around and, you know, at their respective high schools getting ready for the season. You don't see that now. So you think about all of the just the young man and, and some of these young ladies too, these student athletes that's going to miss out on their senior season. Usually around this time of year, I like to take a little drive around some of the high schools and watch some of the teams, you know, getting ready for the upcoming season. You don't see that right now. So right now everything is up and grab. So you think about a lot of the seniors that are guys that are not highly recruited that are looking for a chance to get a scholarship offer. And it may be their one year. I've seen a lot of guys is basically in their senior year be able to have a good enough year where it attracts a lot of college recruiters. You won't see that this year probably. So we see a lot of just chaos. Like you said earlier, it's going to be a lot of chaos as to which direction we go. I think really what's going to end up either saving or helping things as we go forward is I look at the, the platform that the NFL is going to, how they're going to do it this year. What's going to happen if, they start having COVID cases go up or is it going to be like Major League Baseball where all of a sudden you're going to have, it's going to shut down for a couple of weeks because you've got this guy or that guy, or this, the team starts contracting this virus. So the question is, is how would they handle it? And I think the way that the NFL handles this situation going forward will affect the way the colleges, they might end up saying, okay, let's kind of take a, a page out of their book. I can see that happening. I would like for that to be the case, but I can tell you these these universities, I don't think they're going to look to the NFL whenever they're making their decision. They're people in the higher-up positions. A lot of it's about ego, and they're just going to kind of do whatever whatever they think is necessary. They're, they've not really been following the data whenever they've made their decisions thus far, so I've, I'd be very surprised to see them. Yeah, me too. But you got to take ego and put it aside right now because this is about nobody ego. Listen, right now, if I want to protect, because that's the key word when we're thinking about this season is protection. Not necessarily the, the wins and losses and the revenues. We're talking about a pandemic. This is something serious. So I would tell all of these representatives right now, take your ego and put it to the side. Because your health is your wealth. And there's nothing worse than to see a bunch of young men or, or young student athletes out there putting their lives on the line for some revenue. Okay, revenue is not the case here. We're talking about sickness and disease we're talking about something that can potentially harm you down the line so the question that i would have for the ncaa 
is that we need to look at, let's say, how the NBA is doing right now. They haven't reported any positive cases for the coronavirus, and yet they've gotten the season going on. They quarantine. They put everybody in a bubble. You know, I know I'm, I'm kind of combating you here, but the NCAA, like they've, they've done nothing with this entire thing. They've said they're useless when it comes to football. It kind of goes back to talking about revenue. They don't really see much revenue from football. Their moneymaker is the March Madness tournament for Division One basketball. And, and so Mark Emmert's basically been in hiding this entire time. He came out the other yeah. day and he said something along the lines of, we'll leave it up to the individual institutions, which is him just saying like, hey, this is your problem, figure it out. And right. just saying, we're, we're just going to sit back. Good luck. And so I, I can't, I'm not expecting the NCAA to do anything that's going to be yeah. a benefit to anyone at this point. I guess I was in a different era because when I was coming up, the NCAA had a hand in everything that you would do. So now basically yeah. the conferences have taken over. But listen, well, they can I'd still uh, make against. sure they deny your, your appeal to play. They, they definitely exactly. do a really good job at that. Yeah, well, they, yeah, they're known for that. But again, you know, I kind of commend right now the Pac-12 and the Big Ten for stepping up and saying, listen, our student athletes are more important right now than revenue. Let's get this under control. Hey, listen, if you're down there in Oklahoma, just like this past weekend, I had a chance to really sit in uh, as a parent, a uh, student athlete that would be attending the university. Uh, basically, they're saying, listen, we got all the protocols. We got everything in play. They had nine cases. <laughs> and I know guys stepped out of that bubble, you know, when you let these young men out, you know, for a week. But again, the question is, is we'll see when the season starts how it's going to look. We saw what we see it right now with Major League Baseball. You see what has happened with Major League Baseball. But you know what? Hockey hasn't reported any cases. Not that I'm aware of. No, they're, they're safe up in the bubble. They're safe up in the bubble. So the question is, is if we really want to get, if we really want to protect the student athlete, shouldn't we thinking about maybe putting these guys in a bubble? Isn't the key thing right now is bubble quarantine? I'm sure they thought about it, but again, it comes back to finances at the end of the day, and it's just too expensive. It's, it's not worth it for them to do it. If you can pay a coach four, five, eight million dollars a year, you can come up with a way of quarantining guys. I'm I mean, sorry. This, you know, if money. you're saying like a like a bubble, are you saying just quarantining them on their own campus and then whenever they travel? Yeah, that that's doable. But as far as like getting a bunch of these schools to go together in some city and then just quarantine there and then have a season, like there's too many people involved. Like the the NBA is paying a ton of money just to do what they've done down at Disney. Now, granted, they're trying to make it a little bit more fancy for their players, right. but at the same time, I mean, if if we were saying like the SEC conference, we'll just take that for example. That's fourteen institutions. Let's say you can take eighty five players to the bubble with you on top of however many staff members you need. You're talking about a hundred and and twenty people for each individual school, over fifteen hundred people total. That's, I mean, that's going to add up. Like in, in the conference, I don't think it's going to front it. You don't think that these conferences got the money to front it? Let's be honest. You don't think that they got, if you can pay a coach eight, $10 million a year, let's just be honest, you can, you can find a way. From a financial standpoint, I've looked at the numbers. Here's the thing. Football generates a lot of money. They make right. a ton of money. But here's the problem. If you wanted to get rid of pretty much every female sport, every male sport except for basketball and football, you could do it. But all that revenue that they generate from football, I know they pay pay that coach a lot of money. Right. And that's that's where a lot of it goes. But outside of that, a lot of that money's invested back into the oh, university in and of right. itself. And so that's where it comes a problem when you're dealing with the finances because you're having to make sure that that money goes back in. A lot of people think these schools just have money sitting sitting aside. And there there are some programs that do. Don't don't get me wrong, there are some programs that do that. 
But when we're talking about Power Five as a whole, for all those schools, maybe 15 to 20 schools could do that. Right. And I mean, like, granted, those are usually the ones that win the national championship. Somewhere there's like 15 to 20 schools each year that start off. And if they wanted to do that, they could. But again, you're not going to get every conference to be like, all right, you can take the three best teams and we can go do this. And then just throw the other other teams to the side. But yeah, those 15, you know, half of them are down south. They probably got the revenue to uh, fund. That's probably why they're playing. It's just right now, it's just right now, it's chaotic. I don't know. I mean, I'm just waiting for the NFL season to see how, when they start off, how this is going to go. You know, and I think this is kind of give us all kind of a platform. Okay, this is how it's going to work. I mean, I'm just anxious to see because right now you can talk about it all day. I don't know if you're going to have an answer, a definitive answer until you kind of see how in, in, in six weeks and see how the NFL goes. And maybe we're going to see how the Big 12 and, and these ACC and the SEC, we're going to see how that goes. And maybe in six weeks, we'll have a kind of a like a direction. Okay, now this is going in the right direction or this is going in the wrong direction. I think that's the only way we're going to get an answer. Just go ahead and just start the thing up. Yeah. Well, and the schools, too, they wanted to push the start date of the season back to, I think you see all conference plays starting on like the 26th of September. Yeah. They wanted to let students get on campus first because they knew there would be an uptick in cases. And so they're like, all right, we'll let, we know once we bring some students back, they're obviously going to be bringing the virus with them. So we'll see if we can contain the virus once they get back here. Make sure that, all right, well, once that initial spike starts, if we can contain it and then give it a couple of weeks. And by the time that couple of weeks is up, that'll be time for the football season to start. So that's why you see that delay in it not starting at the beginning of September and they've moved it to the back end of September. Yeah. Well, we'll see soon. I mean, it's just, there's yeah. a lot of question marks. So I think the only way it's going to be answered. We just got to see when the season rolls and then we just got to go from there. Cause as long as there's a pandemic, then we're going to have some kind of issues that we're going to have to try to fight through. That's definitely the case. And it's yeah. just one of those things we're, we're just kind of waiting for news each day to see if anything has changed. Uh, yeah. I, I at least feel good that the ACC, Big 12, and the SEC have all released their schedule with dates at this point. Yeah. So they, they have something in place. And and going back to why I'm, I'm not so, I guess, happy with the Big 10 and the Pac-12 is because I don't think they did a lot of the work up front. The, the one thing that they reported in their situation as to why they would cancel their season is because of the uh, myocarditis and how the impacts of COVID can work on someone's heart. But right. you've seen the ACC, the Big 12, and the SEC all put forth in their protocols that they were going to do like EKGs and echocardiogram right. tests to make sure that they're keeping all that monitored. And it doesn't look as though the Pac-12 and the Big 10 even put forth the idea of, all right, we'll, we'll wait. Okay. Like that, yeah. that, I think that's the biggest problem a lot of people have had. It's like, all right, well, if you can't play, that's one thing. But why did you make the decision? way before you had to make the decision yeah this is going to be a this is, is a stick uh, sticky topic uh it's just going to be a mess i think to start off with and i don't know man it's just like i said i cannot call it this year you know professional wise i mean i've looked at the nba the fact that they've had no cases reported i looked at hockey and i understand the numbers are different but you know this is going to be an interesting year i can tell people to expect the unexpected uh get used to watching a game you got to be transparent this year more than ever because you won't see anybody in in the stadium. You know, it's just gonna you're just gonna have to look at it like you look at the NBA. So yeah. we'll see. I mean, it, I think it'll work. I know it'll work. We're just gonna be different. And I, I know for all y'all that are listening, 
this episode, we definitely spent more time on college, but the college, college is the feeder league. It is the G League for the NFL. And yeah. so a lot of how that happens is going to affect the NFL. And it could also, if they're not playing, could change the NFL schedule as far as when you're watching games because if college isn't happening on Saturday in the fall, I guarantee you the NFL is going to slide in and try to help fill some of that airtime. But I know this episode was a little bit different. Next week, though, for you all, Denard and I are going to be giving our season predictions win or a, a breakdown for each game of the Titans, who we think is going to win, which game. And, and so that'll be something we'll be able to debate about, kind of get into. But that is going to wrap it up for us today. Denard, before we go, do you have any closing thoughts? Expect the unexpected, man. <laughs> it's going to be a crazy, it's going to be a crazy ride for a while. So that's definitely the case, man. Yeah. Definitely the truth. But all right. I hope you all have enjoyed the show. For Denard Walker, I am Davey Hudson. You have been listening to Believe in Titans on the Believe Podcast Network. We'll do it again next week. And as always, tighten up. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.